Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Philip Wiley Show. Today, I'm excited to have Diamond Forbes joining me. Diamond and I met during Hack SpaceCon back in April, and we had a little bit of a conversation there. We spoke about him being on a podcast. Finally got it scheduled. Uh, been pretty busy with recordings and uh, was able to find a time that worked for both of us. And fortunately, I was able to run into Diamond during, during DEF CON and Black Hat, and we got to, to see each other. And uh, it's always good, good to see you, and it's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Philip. Yep, I'm Diamond Forbes. I am a security engineer at Google currently. Uh, still pretty fresh. Like this is my first month now. Uh, I've been in the field eight going on nine years now. Um, so I, I guess I'll start at the beginning. Uh, sure. So yeah, I graduated high school at uh, in 2014. So um, just starting out like with the like root reason I even chose to do IT um, was it started out pretty bad actually. Uh, so I graduate and then me and my mom were having issues uh, right after graduation. So long story short, she kicks me out, <laughs> kicks me out of the house. I'm 17 years old because uh, I graduated at 17 and homeless, working at McDonald's. Um, yeah, life's a little rough at the moment. Uh, but then I just trying to figure it out. So I went and saw an Army National Guard recruiter. And the thing is, I actually wanted to be, uh, at the time, I wanted to be a military police officer. That could have been the route I went. Um, I didn't have my license at the time, so I actually didn't qualify for it. And then I went home. Recruiters can be pretty like intimidating. Like, oh, you can find this job. Like, we'll get you signed up today. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go home thinking about it. And I went through all the jobs in the military <laughs> there is to do. And one stuck with me. It was um, IT specialist, network engineer. Uh, and that's what I ended up being in the Army. And I went back to the recruiter. The job wasn't even available. Um, but I told him, I said, I'm not joining unless I can get this job. So he made some stuff happen in the background. It actually took a lot longer. Um, but at the end of the day, he got me signed up for like, this is like November 2014. So I shipped out for basic training April 27th of 2015. So it was a long, usually like if you enlist, you go like within a week or two. Um, so yeah, it was pretty long. I had to wait. Um, but yeah, I, I joined the army at, um, what was I? I was 18 and I did basic training at Fort Jackson. And then I did my AIT training uh, after the two, two and a half months of basic uh, at Fort Gordon. And that's where I did my signals training for seven, seven months, I would say. Uh, to back up, the reason I even chose IT uh, when I had to make that decision uh, is one event that I always talk about when I was in middle school. I, my parents were really strict, so I couldn't like have a Facebook account, like MySpace, couldn't be on the internet at all unless it was like school related. Um, and I had this, uh, 
PlayStation Portable and I could have internet access on it if, you know, I connected to the internet. And they had the the internet, <laughs> it was like secure. They had this password on it, it was encrypted. And, and I had to do, I was pretty much, I think I was always a hacker because I pretty much like looked at their routines. Like my mom had this laptop and I looked at her routine of like when she stepped away from the laptop, how long she was on it, if she left it unlocked. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember the day, I remember the day, it was in eighth grade, she stepped outside and then she stepped outside for a particular reason. And I knew she wasn't going to be back for a couple minutes. So I went to the living room. I got on the laptop. I think I, I did the research beforehand of how to even figure out, get the password on a Windows computer at the time. And you just go in the internet settings, go in the properties of the network adapter, and um, you can pretty much like un unhide the, the, the Wi-Fi password. Um, and like I'm, yeah, I'm young. I'm like 12 years old at the time, so like that was pretty exciting. <laughs> um, I got the, I still remember the password. It was curry chicken. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was like my first attempt at like hacking, I guess. So, yeah, that always sticks with me, and that's like what I thought back to of like what am I interested in? Because I was actually gonna, I was enrolled in college to be a chef. I, I like to cook. Uh, my mom actually taught me how to cook. So, and besides that, I was always tinkering with things like breaking things apart, uh, like my Nerf gun, for instance. I did some crazy stuff with it to where it could like shoot like four times like faster. Uh, and I like would put stuff on it so it can like, I remember shooting at the garage and it would like stick. I put a needle on the end of it. I was like, <laughs> I was that type of kid. So I was always, yeah, I was always interested in how things work. And, yeah. yeah, that's the that's the true definition, and that's the true definition of hacking. You know, the the media kind of changed it to be what cyber criminals, but you know those those original hackers, they were either making things or enhancing the capabilities of things, figuring mm -hmm. out how it works. So yeah, you had that that actual hacker mentality. Exactly, and it was just me. It was me and my sister. My mom worked a lot. Uh, my stepdad he worked a lot. Um, so it was just me and her. So I was like a lonely kid not completely lonely but me and my sister like we fought a lot we still got on we fought a lot so i would just go do my own thing <laughs> so when i'm doing my own thing i was doing stuff like that just being curious almost set the house on fire one time so that was that was me <laughs> that was me I was interested in everything <laughs> so so yeah that yeah that's my like beginning story and then um yeah when i get and when I got to my uh, AIT, my job training in the army, that was supposed to be six and a half months. And this is like an uh, interesting part of my career, like an uh, interesting aspect, I would say, is my failures. I actually, so I took, they put us through a, a round of different classes, starting with like hardware, A plus, um, to like software, basic software, basic operating system classes. Um, and we got the whole scope. So, and it just went up after, like, it was like going through the OSI model. So, like, hardware, <laughs> OS, networking, basic networking, a security class. And then, since we're network engineers, network operators, we took, um, at the time, ICND1 and ICND2, which equaled CCNA routing and switching at the time. Uh, I did pretty good in all the, the classes, but 
the Cisco classes, I actually failed and I, and I stayed back. So I couldn't graduate with the people I came there with. And I'm, I'm fast forwarding through all the drama of, of the military <laughs> training, but this, yeah, this is toward the end. So I had to stay back, stay an extra, I think an extra month or month and a half or two. And I think that's what really sparked my career. Staying back uh, in that class, it made, it like flipped a switch for me. And I just, I felt bad at the time, like, oh, dang, I kind of suck at this stuff. Um, like networking was hard. Like the concept was hard. Like yeah. network, if anyone like really dove into networking and learning, you'll see that like it's a whole science in itself. And like subnetting, just subnetting alone, figuring out mm -hmm. IP addresses takes a while to, if you don't learn it the proper way, I, I think it, it really depends on how you're learning and who's teaching you as well. But but it's objectively challenging, I would say. So I stayed back, but so the next month and a half to two months that I stayed back, I was in, Cisco had this free software called Packet Tracer. And you could, uh, it's like a network simulation software. It's pretty good. You can put router switches, clients, servers, connect them all together, see how the traffic flows, test everything out. It was, it was really good. And when I stayed back, I started making these massive networks and like plugging everything together, getting all the commands, like repetition. And like, there was so, they were so impressed. Like whatever project we had, I would like 10 X the size of it and then show it in class. And it was just like easy at that point, like something really sparked. And I guess that that failure like helped me really go just like 10, 10 steps ahead afterwards. So, and you know, throughout, throughout the rest of my career, I failed a, a bunch of times. Everyone always sees like where I'm at now or where I'm at at the time, uh, like for the last several, several years. And they think, oh, wow, you're like, you're, killing it you're so smart and i'm like no i felt a lot actually like a lot but that was like my biggest teacher like in personal life and in my career so um and even you know outside of that i felt multiple certifications like um i was a network engineer for a while that was the first half of my career being a network engineer uh, on the civilian side so because i was in the national guard i only did that one week in a month um so i got to work you know both sides of the field so military and civilian life in my everyday life so when i was a network engineer i went for a bunch of certifications you know i went through the track like starting with security plus ccna running switching ccna security ccmp like i kept going up and up and once i got to the harder certifications like ccmp they were pretty like three tests long all of them are super challenging I, I calculated at one point I was spending several thousand dollars on just failed test attempts. So, um, but at the end, it made me a better engineer. Like that got me to Cisco. Like that was my dream job at one point because I, I fell in love with networking, going from failing <laughs> to like <laughs> I actually fell in love with networking. Um, but yeah, the failures, like uh, a lot of people, a lot of people that I mentor, they, they get really flustered when they fail something like they're really scared to fail and i embrace i've always embraced it like i actually thought about it like at 18 years old like oh i need to fail so i can 
<laughs> so I can like learn from that or even in, in personal life. Oh, I, I'm learning from people's mistakes. Like that's always how I thought. Like I watch other people. I watch myself. I self-reflect. And that's that's just me. That's that's what works for me. Um, but to to get back on track. Um, yeah, straight out, straight out of training. My first job was actually at the Pentagon. And I did help us. Uh, and as you'll see, like, I took a very linear you know, approach to my career, like starting with the basics, even out, out of training where they were teaching more advanced things and helped us. Started with help this at the Pentagon. Um, I did that uh, for six months, actually. So I'm learning about, you know, Active Directory. I'm doing like uh, refreshes in, in the entire Pentagon. Um, at the time, they were they had a, like a VDI solution that they were implementing, going from physical desktop to virtual desktops. Um, so that was you know that was cool for the first uh, six months of my career, um, and that's you know another failure. I was taking my Security Plus, failed it by one question, um, and I kept trying after that. But that was pretty demotivating, failing by one one question, um, but uh, yeah, my first three positions actually were pretty low level. So I went from help desk, then I went to system admin. I was working at Department of Homeland Security. Um, I'll pause there because that was actually my most rewarding work that I did at the beginning of my career. Uh, not knowledge wise, but I worked for a particular department um, in in Department of Homeland Security. So you had uh, ICE that dealt with immigration. Immigration Custom Enforcement, but there was a particular unit in there that I worked with. I worked with all of them, but one that I really helped out a lot was uh, HSI. And there's actually a new movie out about it. Hmm. Um, what is it called? I have to. I'll think about it in a second. But it, they pretty much deal with anything related to like uh, illegal uh, child exploitation, so like child oh, pornography. Yeah. I forget the movie. It's like something. Mm, I'll I'll look it up in a second, but I'll keep going. Um, but yeah, child pornography or child trafficking, things like that. Uh, and they're like they have a lot of cyber experts that are just like on the dark web, like all over the internet, like searching for these these digital criminals. Um, not just digital, but. Um, mm -hmm. And then I I work really really closely with them. And I really respected them, like seeing them like put their personal stuff aside, put their lives. They all have like most of the guys in there, they had like children, wife, and they just like give themselves to the mission. And they're doing like like noble things every day. Like it's nothing. Um, they were pretty, yeah, they were pretty hardcore, but like, it, yeah, it was very rewarding. I met a lot of people. They wanted me to join, actually. <laughs> but um yeah, that was some of my most, my, my most rewarding work. I made a lot of connections there. I made a lot of connections everywhere I went, honestly, even at the Pentagon. Um, but yeah, that that was um, yeah, that was a real pivotal uh, point for me as well, because after that I started getting more into the networking. Um, so I got into network operations on a different side of uh, DHS, um, and at that point everything changed a lot because um, this is when I had my first deployment. Uh, after this position. So these are like, uh, yeah, I, I just listed my first three jobs. By the way, I've had like 15 jobs. 
uh, I like to move around a lot. And I was doing contracting mostly, so it was a it was a plus. Their contracts, and then I can move up to not just get a salary bump. That's a plus, obviously, but also I get more responsibility every time. Like I said, I moved like in a linear way, so every time I moved, it was into a higher position with more responsibility, more things to do. So, um, but yeah, bef- so these were my first three jobs, and then I got called. Uh, into uh, for deployment, um, they gave me orders. We we're supposed to go to Afghanistan, but we ended up going to Iraq. So I did network operations in Iraq for a year. So I flew in. I was one of the first to fly, and actually, I flew into Kuwait um, because if you go to the Middle East in the military, that's where everyone flies into. So went into Kuwait and went straight to Iraq for the first six months. And it was, yeah, it was very interesting experience at the time. I can't say everything about it, but pretty much I set up network operations for, uh, and satellite operations for the um, pilots out there uh, We were where we were. Um, so around the whole base, we just made sure the network was up and secure. Um, and they had transmission via the satellite term- terminals. So um, that was a rewarding experience because I had a lot of downtime to to really study. And that's really where like my my studies took off and uh, my network engineering skills started to kick in. Um, so, yeah, fast forward, fast forward a year after being on deployment, coming back home, I instantly got into a senior network engineer position. Like that's how much I was studying. I didn't even just go for a regular network engineer position. Like they thought my skills were so good, you know. I got a senior network engineer, like for my first network engineer job, um, and that was at the National Guard Bureau. So ironic, but um, you know, I did that uh, for about a year, um, and that's where I really built my. I'll, I'll hit on some things that people should know. Like, there's one thing, one thing to like build your technical still, skills. But it's another thing to actually apply that to to projects, like following a project from start to finish. And it involves a lot more than just technical skills. You have to know how to collaborate with different teams that are on different deadlines that have different priorities than you. And that's that's where like the people skills come in. Like I'm a I'm really an introvert, actually. I don't like talking, but like over time, it had to force me to talk and be personable and, and you know, have like charisma and influence. And it really goes a long way. Like, like a long, it really goes a long way, like working with different personalities, working with different, yeah, different types of people um, that can help you or that you, uh, that you need to help. Um, and outside of that, yeah, just planning, like it, that's what makes you an engineer, like from an operator, um, that planning, like planning for scale, planning for things to like go for a longer period of time um, or work for a longer period of time. That's what like differentiates operators from engineers. So that's where I really got that insight, uh, you know, when I started there. Um, but yeah, not long after that, uh, I actually... Another thing was I took a lot of my free time to study, study a lot. I actually didn't go to college. I did 
two semesters of college, one semester when I was in, in Iraq. I did like seven classes and passed them all. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and then I did one like right out after I joined the military. But somehow I have 60 credits. A lot from the army gave me a lot of credits. And then like the eight certifications I have that transferred over um, helped a lot. So yeah, somehow I have 60 credits, which is pretty much an associates. But yeah. <laughs> but they, yeah, they were mostly all gen eds, the ones that I did take. So I would say I usually just say I, I didn't really go to college. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty much self-taught, which comes with its challenges. Um, you just have to learn everything on your own. Some people, you know, like toughen through that and like doing that research and different feel. I think I'm one of those people. Um, but yeah, yeah, being being more self-taught is it's I feel like it's been a lot more rewarding for me. Um, but outside of that, it it does come with challenges. Like some some places feel like, oh, you don't have a degree. Like we can't. Like you are a great candidate, but I just realized you didn't have a degree. Like we have to cut this conversation short. So that happens from time to time, and that makes me sometimes actually want to go to college. But then I interview somewhere like google and they're like oh you don't have a degree well you're a great engineer come over <laughs> so like it, it pays off and you know if you keep applying and and you know just trying to get different opportunities and and seeing what fits and so it's going to fit somewhere it's going to fit and i i will say a lot of big tech companies and a lot of companies in general even the government they're a lot more open to like higher level positions and engineering positions technical positions uh to not have a degree requirement so uh, i think that's a plus for people that you know don't really want to go the traditional college route as well um but back to um at the time being a network engineer i thought i was going to do network engineering forever i didn't know how to code never thought about coding didn't think about anything else i just wanted to be a network engineer so my dream job because of that was cisco so I'm studying really hard, getting all these networking certifications, you know, being a senior network engineer. And there came a time where I got two CCMPs, which is right under, if anyone like knows the Cisco certification layout, it's right under CCIE, which is like the God mode certification for network engineers. Um, so I get two CCMPs and then I start studying for my CCIE. And I'm pretty much like, wrapping up my CCIE studies and I decide to apply for Cisco. No, I take that back. Cisco reached out to me on LinkedIn, which is another good point. I started my LinkedIn early, like at the Pentagon, I started my LinkedIn. I wasn't super, super active, but I stayed active. I connected with people and I made it a repetition to connect with people and post content here and there, post certifications, post anything. Like even current day, like it makes sense. Like post the events you go to, like a lot of other people in the space are going to go to the same events. Post your certifications, post your studies, post things that you can share from work that you've been working on, or like from an like abstracted level, if if that's necessary. Um, uh, yeah, post your CTFs, post competitions, post anything related to your job. Um, and your career and your career path that you're trying to follow. And you're going to connect with like-minded people. You're going to connect with people in the field. The field was small. Like I connected with a lot of 
even famous people on LinkedIn um, because the security space and the technical space is not that big um, relatively. Uh, so yeah, LinkedIn is a huge help. Every major tech company, fang company has reached out to me first on LinkedIn just because I don't know, whatever their search criteria is, I just you know post all my different skills. I post all my experience. I'm thorough with my experience. I don't just say, oh, I worked at the Pentagon. No, I worked at the Pentagon and I did thousands of installations. I rolled, you know, I could say a lot there, but the, the key is to be um, like deliver like actual metrics, the metrics that you worked on. And, and a metric could be, you know, if there's 10,000 people at the Pentagon and I did you know, uh, the installations, then I can say I installed 10,000. Uh, you know, I was on the project to install 10,000 devices. Um, so, like, just be metric oriented when you're talking about your experience. There's a lot of different tips and tricks uh, when you're like trying to showcase your skill set. Um, a lot of people like underplay themselves. Uh, I was just talking to someone about it today. They said they were looking for this person they do ctfs they do they started learning how to hack they started hacking and they they said they're looking for entry level associate level security engineer um positions nothing else and i said what do you do then she start talking about cali linux and hacking and vulnerability assessment i said leave with that next time <laughs> i said don't sell yourself short uh, and that's like my general advice to to everyone, because uh, I, I did it at one point, so I can relate to it. So yeah, don't sell yourself short because you, there's a lot of times where most of the jobs I've been into, I was technically underqualified. But when they look at my experience and they look at all the things that I'm doing, even though I don't have the the hands-on experience at a job doing a certain thing, I'm studying it. I'm doing practical things on the side, which count towards experience as well. I'm doing CTFs, for instance. Um, so, yeah, just don't sell yourself short, especially if you're one of those people that takes the time out of their free time to to dive into these different technologies and um, and things like CTFs or uh, you know, it could be anything like Try Hack Me or Hack the Box or any learning platform. Or if you have a home lab, that's pretty. That's extremely effective. I had a huge networking home lab back then. That that was like one of the biggest, uh, you know, helpers for me to like practice my skills, and that's extremely practical. So, um, yeah, don't sell yourself short, especially if you're very ambitious. Um, I see a lot of ambitious people sell themselves short. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, yeah. Uh, I think my a very pivotal point for me was when I was at Cisco, because Cisco was actually when I I'd say I can't say too much. Well, I can say it, but I can't say exactly the exact details. But my first week at Cisco, I I did something like remarkable. I saved a really big client from leaving, and and my I'm a network support engineer. So I'm a network engineer, do a lot of network troubleshooting with with clients. And at the time, I'm, it's my first week, so I can't even work with big clients. I'm shadowing one of the senior engineers working with a big client. 
they're working with a huge client actually like one of the biggest companies in the world and that wasn't yeah that wasn't the client though like so she's working with that client and she's really smart engineer she can like context switch like no one else i've seen like she's working with this client she's studying some bgp at the same time while on the phone with them helping them out she's like drawing this like she's good at drawing so she's drawing at the same time um and it was like seeing that it's still in my head to this day like seeing that was like super motivational and she's like coding in python at the same time so <laughs> that, that was very impressive to me like the most impressive thing i've ever seen honestly uh, and then she gets this other call that comes in from a pretty big client and pretty much their data center kept shutting down over and over and over and over like on a repetitive basis every single day all day and this is a, it's a huge client and it's a huge data center none of the senior engineers could figure it out so me the new guy i'm there for like this is my first week and i'm just looking looking shadowing not really giving any input but i'm like paying attention and pretty much the shadow session ends because it's like this huge issue and everyone's scattered and i just go back to like the regular engineers um but i i grabbed the case i looked at the case and i started going through all the infrastructure and i, I caught it extremely quick it's so crazy pretty much it was a it was a spanning tree issue so when you have switches inside of a any environment but in this case in a data center for traffic so switches they don't have what's called like a time to live uh, which is an internet packet it has the time to live on the internet packet so it doesn't loop around from hop to hop from router to router infinitely if it because it has the time to live let's say the time to live is two once you hit your second hop so go from one router to the other the packet dies in switches there's that's not a concept so they there's pretty much because of that uh the frames pretty much a packet they could loop around the network infinitely so spanning trees created it's a process that that stops that pretty much long story short there's this thing called uh a root bridge a root bridge is the the switch that um creates the it it runs the spanning tree domain pretty much and you have you have to have one root bridge elected for spanning tree to work there was there was two root bridges and they kept fighting over who's the root bridge so that was the that was the main issue um to keep it too i don't want to keep it too long um so that was the main issue but before i found all of that like the customers on the phone they're cussing me out they're cussing the sales engineer out the sales engineer is like begging me to like look into it because they saw that I was looking into it when the when I opened the case up. So he called me and I'm like, I'm new here. <laughs> but after like looking at it for a couple minutes, I figured it out and yeah, fixed it. And it saved like a multi-million dollar deal from going down the hole because they said they were gonna pull out. Pretty much I didn't really get any recognition for it. And I had a I had a chip on my shoulder after that. So that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah. it also it also motivated me. And like this is an interesting story. Remember I said I never thought about coding. I told myself I would never code. 
So after that, I started having thoughts like, what am I going to do? Because this is this is not for me. Like I'm at my dream company, and like uh, I know it's just one it's one thing, but I don't I don't like that. So it's I don't know. I, I I'm not too impulsive, but I'm being a little impulsive. Like okay, what am I going to do next? Because this is I'm not going to be here too long. After after that, they gave like recognition to everyone else, everyone else that I helped out pretty much. The sales engineer got the sales engineers got the most recognition because they closed the deal. <laughs> um, so I told myself, okay, I need to look into like what are the hottest skills out there. I see cloud, I see security, I see ethical hacking, all different types of domains in security. I see coding, software engineering, I see scripting, I see you know, infrastructure is code. I see all of these trigger words um, that are like thrown around that are that pretty much run the infrastructure for companies today. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I want to do the hottest ones. So like cloud security, DevSecOps, these, these are the ones that stuck to me. Ethical hacking, um, just like general security, security architecture, and, and scripting. That was a big one. So I'm like, okay. Am I really going to learn how to code? I said, I don't know. I can't code. I'm not that smart. Like, I'm a network engineer, but I'm not that smart. So I have more thoughts, more thoughts. This is like my first few weeks at Cisco. And then I came up with an idea. I said, I remember when I was a kid, my mom got me a Rubik's Cube one Christmas. and I can never solve it. And maybe the hacker in me, I took the stickers off to solve it, took the stickers off. <laughs> like that's how upset I got because I couldn't figure it out. And it was, the internet just came around. So I didn't, I wasn't using, and I was super young. So my mom was going to let me use it. So I didn't really have anywhere to look to like try to figure it out. And I'm sure like I could have went to the library, but was I going to comprehend in elementary school, like these algorithms? <laughs> like I didn't even, I didn't even know there were algorithms. So like, and, you know, I was lost. Um, never could figure it out. Fast forward, well, I was like 22 at Cisco. Uh, fast forward, it was a Monday. I said, I want to order a Rubik's Cube. I haven't touched this in years <laughs> since I was a little <laughs> kid. Ordered a Rubik's Cube. Ordered it to the office. You know, unpack it. I'm like, okay. So I get off my shift that night. Uh by the way, I had a, I spent a year in San Francisco. I actually moved out to San Francisco when I uh, came to Cisco. Uh, best year ever. Loved it. Um, so yeah, I went. I went home that night, uh, and I remember I watched. I watched the video, uh, and I just kept rewatching it. It took me two hours. I took notes, watched the video, took notes, and then like the last forty-five minutes of that. Uh, video I start like going through the different you know processes to like solve it and I, and I actually solved it for the first time ever like I comprehended it because uh, the video was like an hour long so like pausing it here and there you know multiply that by two like that's how long it took me and I was so happy I was so happy like I solved it completely I was like wow but it still wasn't enough for me I said uh let me solve this without any notes in under a minute, and then I'll start learning how to code. Fast forward a week, literally a week later, the the week from Monday, so the next Monday, I put my notes away. I said, all right, let me try. Solved it, got it in. I remember I was doing it in a minute 30, and then like within that day, I got it under a minute. 
So I remember like I threw it away. I started searching some Python courses instantly. <laughs> like it was literally how it happened. I started searching Python courses. I made I had some I had one friend in particular that was an engineer that onboarded with me. Um he helped me out a little bit like after I started like after I did my first Python course. So he would like whiteboard questions for me and I would just like I would just solve them. Um, but yeah, like going through the Python course, I had so much confidence. I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not dumb. I just figured out how to solve Rubik's Cube in a minute and I can do it every day now. So I think I had a lot more confidence going in. Like, you know, I, I know how to solve problems. I, you know, I have the, the aptitude to do it. Um, and going through the Python course, I would do it. I didn't have too much time. I, I, I worked pretty long shifts. So I would skip my lunch and code for an hour every single day. That's how I learned Python, code for an hour every single day. And yeah, after some time, I got decent at just understanding the syntax. And when I say a while, like it took, it was like two months of that. I was learning how to code just like an hour a day. And mm, I would say a couple, yeah, a couple months go by and I actually decided I was going to leave Cisco. So I left Cisco uh, and I'm in, I'm in the Bay area. I stayed in the Bay area for seven more months uh, with no job. Uh, but I, you know, I had enough resources to do it luckily, but um, I was just studying. I was just studying the whole, that's one thing about me. I like, I don't see many people do it. Like, it's just a personal thing about me. I'm, I'm, I'm a high risk person. Even when, especially when it comes to something that I want, like I wanted to learn all this stuff. So I'm studying, I get, I'm studying for my AWS certification. I'm coding in Python. I picked up some interesting, some interesting work, like with a really, really small cybersecurity company. It's just one guy, he owns it. And I started doing DevSecOps work uh, for really cheap, like super, like dirt cheap. <laughs> I wasn't making much doing it and it was completion based. So I only got paid when I finished the project. This is how I got my start in security, actually. Quitting Cisco, being jobless for seven months, studying, doing cheap labor. <laughs> and so the thing was, before I get back into that story, I actually interviewed at Google before this for the first time. This was 20. 2020, first time I ever interviewed at Google, not related to this time. Uh, I, I'm a security engineer now. Back then, I interviewed, I, I interviewed for a network engineer position. So pretty much the interview was great. The preliminary was great. I killed it. I'm at the top of my network engineering game at the time. So I'm killing every interview. And I'm like getting more confidence as the interviews go along because they're sending network architects in the interview. And this is pre-COVID. So this is like, yeah, this is like, okay, this is when COVID just, just started. So they're not taking it as seriously. This is the, the first or second month of COVID like hitting the U.S. So um, I did a virtual on-site, five interviews, five hours long, uh, six hours because they gave me an hour break. But super intense. I'm on the Sunnyville campus. Every engineer that comes in, it's like progressively better. Like they send senior network engineering and then the rest were like network architects. And they're asking me this extremely, 
anyone interviews at Fang, the, the the key is like they they don't really care about like your experience because they're going to figure out your experience without directly asking what your experience is. They're going to ask you extremely abstract questions and these scenario based questions. What would you do? Well, let me not say exactly what they would ask. That probably isn't the best, but it, I can say like they want to they want to understand your experience by asking you very abstract questions, high level questions. What would you do in this scenario? And get, they can gauge your experience by what you give them and they're going to pick at everything that you say. And the fact I just the fact that I was killing it every time they asked these really, really hard questions, I was like, like I said, my confidence just kept getting higher as the interviews went along. Only reason I didn't get the job was I just started learning how to code. And I remember they asked me a very simple coding question and I could not figure it out. Like I started writing down like my function and you know the basics, but I couldn't solve the, the problem. And it was it was a simple problem, like in retrospect. But that was another thing that that about myself. Like I learned I learned a lot from these interviews. And pretty much, long story short, um, I didn't get that job um, because they thought they thought I was a great network engineer. They had a, thought I had amazing experience and, and skills. But they're like, yeah, you can't code. Like everyone knows how to code. Like at a company like this, everyone knows how to. You have to be able to automate things. You have to. You know that's that's how engineers are more efficient. Um, that's how these these different um, that's how the infrastructure is working nowadays for all these companies, major companies, small, medium, large, it doesn't matter. Like they're all getting using more advanced technologies, and there's a lot of automation under that. Like the infrastructure is being automated to be to be put put up, put down, updated. Everything everything's automated, even the security. So. It's it's really common for basic coding skills to be uh, to be the bar, uh, especially at a company like that. So that's where I got that insight from, and that put more fire under me to learn how to code more. So jumping back in, like how I got my start in security, doing that work for dirt cheap. My first project, I could talk about these projects. My first project was uh, there's a browser exploitation framework. It's called Beef. My first project was to use Docker to to build that, build a Python script to to automate the build and deploy it in Amazon and then add logic to rip all the infrastructure down that I built. That was my first project. More context to that, I didn't know what Docker was. I didn't know what Beef was. That was my first time working with any type of tool. Uh, offensive tool in, in this case. So like it was all new for me. It was a huge learning curve and I couldn't get paid in, unless the project was finished and working. So it was more motivation to like look into it really deep, do my research and build something. Uh, and at the end it was like hundreds of lines of Python code. And that just like put everything in my head, like how to do so many different things. Just just one project alone. It literally everything can change with one project. That project has got me senior network senior security engineer jobs. Like after that. Like same thing with my network engineer experience. I didn't start out as a network engineer. I started out as a senior network engineer. 
same thing with this. I, I work with this guy. He gives me complex work, pays me dirt cheap. I finish one project. I talk about the project. They're like, wow, you know, you have a broad scope of knowledge. You can do pretty much everything. You can script, you can work with these tools, you can do infrastructure as code. So what I, I tell a lot of people, one project, one really, you know, complex project where you're working with these different tools can really change your career. And I've done, I did several projects with him, like a handful of projects with him that when I talk about it in these interviews, because I, I did a lot of DevSecOps, cloud security um, type of roles in the last couple of years. When I talk about them, they're so impressed that I'm working with all these toolings, all these relevant toolings now, that even though I don't have like tons of experience working you know, with a company doing this, um, they're just impressed that I can do it, you know, that I can just do it. So, um, that that's some insight that I, I definitely like to share with people because you can yeah you can work on a project and touch all these different tools and if you can talk about that and showcase that to these employers they'll be extremely impressed uh, uh but yeah, yeah last last few years have been a lot of DevSecOps, a lot of um some red teaming dealing with like kubernetes um dealing with uh, ics systems um and just overall overall security org experience, like AppSec to, to the Red Team, to DevSecOps, to the SOC. Um, and what I would say to that is don't be afraid to like learn different things, like even if it's not in your job description. That's the reason why, for instance, Google was so impressed with me. I, they asked me so many different types of questions along the whole security uh, domain as a whole. And I just, you know, I have a pretty broad knowledge. I wouldn't say I'm an expert in anything yet, which is like this next chapter in my career for me to start specializing. And at some point, everyone should do that. But don't be afraid to like learn different things and be that jack of all trades for some time as well, um, because it's really paid off for me um, in the long run. If I look at the last several years in hindsight. Yeah, that's a great story and some great advice. We're getting down towards the end of the episode. Is there anything you'd like to share before we close it up? Um, I would say, yeah, the last thing I should definitely, um, we all, I've seen some of the most smartest people have like that imposter syndrome. Like it, I, I saw Ipset talking about it with Jason Haddix and and some other guys on the podcast recently. Um, they all have it. And these are some of the smartest security professionals and researchers in the field. Uh, and I would just say, you know, don't let that deter you from, you know, anything. Applying to a job, still keep studying, um, like anything you want to do in your career because we'll all have that, like that's, it comes with the territory. Um, and don't let that make you like underrepresent yourself as well. Like really like go out there, interview and don't be afraid to fail. I've done hundreds of interviews and I've gotten so many insights from all the interviews because you'll learn what hiring managers are looking for. You'll learn what different niche uh, uh, positions are looking for, like red teaming for instance. 
I've got a lot of insight just interviewing at different red teaming positions across many companies. Um, and then I can go back and study that stuff that I didn't know. So uh, just be curious as well. Like the, I was doing all that just because I was curious. I wasn't following it was some blueprint. Uh, just, yeah, stay curious and, and yeah, put in the time to, to study and just, yeah, put yourself out there. Um, and the last thing I'll say, yeah, put yourself out there because um, it's not just about your skills. It's about your personality, how you can connect with people. If, if you can talk, um, if you know how to communicate effectively. <laughs> um, so, you know, broaden your skill set. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's just, it's not just one thing. It's not just the technical. So, you know, try to be well-rounded as possible. And yeah, you can do anything at that point. Yeah, great advice. Uh, thanks for for joining me today. I really enjoyed learning more about your story and and, and your advice. I think it's going to be very helpful to everyone that listens. Yes, of course. And if anyone wants to connect with me, it's just my first and last name, Diamond Forbes, on LinkedIn. Um, and you can reach out, and I can give advice just like I did today. And I could talk about a lot more. <laughs> uh, I think I kept it pretty short <laughs> uh, compared to. I usually could ramble on. So yeah, open to connecting. I go to a lot of security events, so I'll see a lot of people there. So yeah. and for the listeners, we'll be sharing the link to, to Diamond's LinkedIn account so you can find it easily. So thanks again for joining Diamond. It's been an honor to have you on the show. Yes, it's been a pleasure, Philip. I appreciate you for having me on. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you for listening to The Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.